chapter 2, and yes, I would like you to turn there to start, Philippians uh, chapter 2 if you can, great to be together, we'll look forward, Lord willing, to be together again on Wednesday, Uh, I say that we will continue our study on marriage that we've been doing. We've still got a little bit of time left in that, and I'm, I'm grateful that we've still got a little time left for that, but Wednesday's also just our time normally to come together as a church family on, on Wednesday evenings, and then um, at 6.30 this Wednesday will be our second time this fall. We just started last week, kicked it off for the fall for what we call Praise Factory, and that's for children. We come alongside families with young children, 6.30 for children, 6.45 for everybody else in here. So I think I'll I'll stop with announcements for now. But uh, thank you for turning with me and for standing to Philippians chapter 2. Would you look with me at verse 6 of Philippians chapter 2? And notice what the the word of the Lord says to us uh, here through Paul in Philippians 2, 6. Though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, Philippians 2.8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Therefore, verse 9, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray as we remain on our feet. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to be familiar with this passage. Help us, of course, to be familiar with all of your word, but maybe especially with gospel-rich passages like this that are just so, so wonderful in a sense. We thank you, Lord, for this focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, as Hebrews 12 speaks to us, Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus this morning. And as Pastor Ray prayed, Lord, we definitely need your help. It's it's not going to be through my uh, service. It's going to be through your grace and through your power, through the Holy Spirit. Lord, we also pray even now for your true blessing upon the meeting that we will have as, as a church after this meeting. And we thank you for both meetings. But our prayer right now, is that in these moments that you would speak to us through your word and that we would give attention to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you. 
All right, so our Bibles are open to Philippians chapter 2. Let me just give you the lay of the land this morning. Our series currently is Joseph. We're preaching chapter by chapter, uh, Genesis 37 through 50. So maybe you've heard that, maybe you've heard that word, uh, fancy word, expositional preaching. We want to let the Bible say what it says because when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And so our focus is to see what God says and not for me to try to say what I think and sprinkle in a few Bible verses. So uh, it's Genesis 37 through 50. Our text today is Philippians 2 and Genesis 41, okay? Philippians 2, Genesis 41. Our title, which if you want to learn more about how I am exempt from this title, you have to come to the members meeting. Our title is Real Men Wear Beards. Real Men Wear Beards. So, let me ask you a question as we go back to the passage that we just read a couple of minutes a couple of minutes ago, which is Philippians 2. I left out a word, uh, which is, I don't know, maybe it was dangerous to do because every word is the word of God, but I read Philippians 2, 6 through 11, and it really is an excellent passage that, that you should know because of the gospel, because of Jesus Christ. But notice there at the beginning of, of Philippians 2 and Right there in verse 6, it says, Who, though he was in the form of God, though he was in the form of God, and before that, who? Who is the referent for who? Who's the referent when it says who? who who's being referred to? Well, it's, it's, amen, it's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice it again, would you? It says who, and we know now, because of course it says at the end of verse 5, Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I'm going to keep reading in just a second, but let me just say right right here, a key idea is this this morning. It's actually going to be the first point here in a minute. It's that Christ is exalted. Friends, Christ is exalted. Verse 9, therefore God has exalted. No, not exalted. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And as Pastor Ray led us, and oh, for a thousand tongues, right? And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ is exalted. Well, as we think about Joseph this morning, and as we think about Joseph here, even, uh, even first of all, from Philippians 2, we might say of all places, let me remind you very briefly about Richard Baxter, who was a Puritan when uh, Richard Baxter, like the queen, was on his deathbed, Richard Baxter is a, a famous author, like 400 years ago, good guy. When he was on his deathbed, a friend sought to comfort him with the thought of the good 
many had received by his preaching and writings. Richard Baxter's friend, Richard Baxter's dying. I love you, Richard. Let me comfort you, brother, any way that I can. Let me just remind you of the good that all of your books have done. Let me remind you as you lay here dying of the good of all that your sermons have done and, and your writings. And Baxter said this, and I want you to think about Joseph this morning. He said, I was but a pen in God's hands, and what praise is due to a pen? I was but a pen in God's hands, and what praise is due to a pen? Now this morning, I've already given you the first heading, and that is that Christ is exalted. We look at this intentionally here at the beginning. Let me tell you where we're going, okay? Here's where we're going. Christ is exalted. Number two, Joseph is exalted. Number three, with, with different content than number two, Joseph is exalted. So Christ is exalted. Joseph is exalted. Number three, Joseph is exalted. And then number four, Christ is exalted with intentionality on those. So that's where we're going this morning. That's where we're going. Philippians 2 and Genesis 41. So if you're ready there with that first heading, Christ is exalted. Uh, we see that again in verse 9. Paul gives Jesus Christ in Philippians 2, 6 through 11 as an example to believers. He gives him to us this morning, to this church, even to us as an example for believers. He has been highly exalted. Let me quickly add to that point number one and expand on it and say this. We are called as believers to humble service. If I would expand on point number one, it's this. We are called as believers to live lives, do you hear me, of humble service. Well, that's really what all of Philippians chapter two is about. The whole chapter, you could say, of Philippians chapter 2 is about humble service. And really, the heart of the chapter, 30, 30 verses about humble service, the heart of it is look at Jesus. Look to the Savior. Look to Jesus Christ as our example of humble service. Do you see? Notice verse 12. Verse 12 of Philippians 2, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Paul says, what? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Friends, you can't work out what has not first been worked in. And that's why Paul says to believers in verse 13, For... For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I love what one person said. It's not, actually. It's not that we do some and God does some. In one sense, that's true. But it's what God does working in us. And then only as a result of that, we work out what he has worked in. For I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 14, crossway, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Hey, there's Joseph. That's Joseph. Blameless and innocent children of God without blemish 
in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. I'm giving you a little bit of the application. I'm front-loading it here is what I'm doing. I'm front-loading the, the application because at the end, I'll tell you, we're going to come back and we're going to see again, as I've already told you, point number four, Christ Jesus is exalted. And the context of Christ being exalted, I'll say it again, Philippians chapter two, humble service, humble service. I suppose there's two, maybe at least two types of folks in the church. I'm sure there's probably more. There may be some who say, I just want to serve. I just want to serve. And and where do I find my place of service in this church? Because I want to serve. And then there's others who may may not realize that that service is actually an expectation, a built-in part, a built-in joyful part for every church member. Can I remind you? Can I remind you here of Sinclair Ferguson's principles of service? Listen to these. I've shared these with you before. The men are reading a book by Sinclair Ferguson. This is from a different book. Remember these basic principles of service. Service is not a matter of others recognizing our gifts. Service is a matter of us recognizing others' needs. Service is not a matter of feeling we have special gifts. Service is a matter of us seeing that others have very special needs. Service is not an optional extra for a member of the church. Service is written into the definition of being a member of the church. I'll repeat number one again. Service is not a matter of others recognizing our gifts. Service is a matter of us recognizing others' needs. Well, Joseph was a man of of service as we turn to Genesis 41. Genesis chapter 41. And as we see here in Genesis chapter 41, point number two, that Joseph is exalted. Jesus is exalted. Joseph is exalted. Number three, we'll see Joseph is exalted. Number four, we'll see Christ is exalted. But we're on number two and we're in Genesis chapter 41. And we see Joseph is exalted, but I don't know if you noticed in Philippians chapter two that it's almost like a, a you. Did you I don't, did you catch that in Philippians two six through eleven? Jesus, this is not perfect, but Jesus starts here. It's the very Son of God. He goes down, 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 low, low, low. Humble service. Remember that humble service, and then he goes up, 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 and God has exalted. No, God has highly exalted him. Kind of like a you. And today in Genesis 41, we see that other side of the U with Joseph. We see that Joseph is exalted. And we don't want to forget that Joseph was at the bottom of the U, boys and girls, if you see what I mean. That he had started out high with his father, beloved by his father and the special son. He went, whoa, whoa, way, way down. And today, Well, today, if you don't see any parallels between Joseph and Jesus, I don't know what else to tell you because it's here. And we left off in verse 16. Would you look at verse 16 again as we're thinking of Joseph is exalted? Notice what he said here. 
Uh, I underscored this. I tried to. Joseph answered Pharaoh, Pharaoh, it is not in me. Pharaoh, you keep talking about me. No, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Let's read. Let's read. Verse 17. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. What's going on here? Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is telling Joseph about his dreams, right? Verse 21. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. Verse 22. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good. Seven ears, withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprouted after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And you may be saying, didn't we read this earlier? Actually, no. This is a retelling. And I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. And the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, verse 28, God, notice that repetition, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe." Please notice verse 32. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. Now we're not going to read all this, but notice verse 37 and a few other verses. This proposal pleased Pharaoh. What proposal? Well, the recommendations that Joseph had just given and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Stop there. Go with me back to verse 9. Christ is exalted. Joseph is exalted. 
Let me make sure we know exactly what's going on here. Verse 9 of chapter 41. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today. Now, verse 9 may seem innocent enough, but really, it really helps us here. The chief cupbearer, chapter 41, in one sense, is, is part two of a story of a mini narrative that goes from 40 to 41. And so, friends, what you have in Genesis 40 and 41 is you have uh, actually four dreams with three different people, two sets of interpretations. There's only one interpreter, humanly speaking, and that's Joseph. So there's two different dreams in chapter 40. There's two different dreams in chapter 41. There's an interpretation by Joseph in chapter 40. There's an interpretation by Joseph in chapter 41. Now, the reason that verse 9 is so important is because if you get the story, the chief cupbearer says, today I remember. Now, isn't that nice? If you know the story at all. Today, because verse 1 of chapter 41 says what? What did verse 1 say? It said after two years. After two whole years. And when you look at verse 9 and the chief cupbearer, how convenient. I mean, you know, as I said a couple of weeks ago, in one hand, it's not that big of a deal. We are all forgetful. We're all prone to forget even important things. We forget even important things. But now, now he remembers. Look at verse 23 of chapter 40. And the narrator, who's the narrator? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Moses, right? Moses. Moses in chapter, or in verse 23 of chapter 40 says, he wants to point this out. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now the good news, as you read those last three words, of chapter 40, but forgot him. The good news is that God never forgets his own people. But let me read this to you. This is from Steinman. Listen to this. I really want to drive this point home. The timing of events was determined by God's plan, not by Joseph's desire or the forgetfulness of the cupbearer. Had the cupbearer brought about Joseph's release from prison earlier, Joseph may well not have been available to interpret Pharaoh's dream. What's he saying? <laughs> Listen to me. What he's saying is, if verse 23 says something different, if verse 23 says the cupbearer did what Joseph asked him to do earlier in chapter 40, Joseph did a good deed for this man. He did a good thing for the cupbearer. He interpreted his dream, and for the cupbearer, unlike the baker, it was favorable. It was good. Pharaoh's going to lift up your head, and he's going to restore you to your previous position. Remember the baker? Pharaoh's going to lift up your head, and he's going to whack, whack it off. But he had done something good. Joseph said, the only thing I'm going to ask you to do is just remember me. If you'll remember me and get me out of this place where I do not deserve to be. I haven't done anything wrong. I don't deserve to be here if you'll just get me out. And it says in verse 23, he forgot him. And of course, God could have arranged things differently. Of course, he could have. But the point is this. The point is chapter 41 doesn't happen unless he forgets him. 
You see, chapter 41, humanly speaking, doesn't happen if the cupbearer remembers Joseph. And so ultimately what doesn't happen, ultimately what doesn't happen is that the people of Israel and Joseph's family are saved from famine and therefore the very line of the Messiah is carried on. No, as Steinman says, he may not have saved his family during the coming famine. Now God could have done whatever he wanted to, but humanly speaking, the grand narrative of Genesis 37 through 50, God uses Joseph to save the world. Does it happen? The need that you and I have, as one man has said, is to entrust ourselves fully to God's good providence. That's our need as believers, to entrust ourselves fully to the good providence of God. This is God's timing. Humanly speaking, Joseph would not have become the prime minister of Egypt if the cupbearer would have remembered him. But he does remember him in verse 9. Look again at verse 1 of chapter 41. By the way, just to make it really plain, what I'm trying to say is, verse 9, the cupbearer did wrong by forgetting for two years, and God ordained that he would remember two years later. Verse 1, after two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile, and behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump. And so what's going on in this story, if I could summarize a big swath, big swath of this story somewhat briefly, is that Pharaoh is the king of Egypt. He is the king of Egypt, and he is, the text tells us, he is troubled by these dreams. He has one set of dreams. He's, he's in his dream by the famous river Nile, and one set of dream has to do with these cows, and, and another set of dream has to do with these ears of grain, and, and what's the special number that we see in all of this repeated over and over? It's, it's the number seven, right? Seven cows here and a different type of seven cows and seven ears here and seven here. And he doesn't understand it because dreams were very important. They were omens. They meant something. And so he, he does what you would do. And he goes to the professionals. He goes to the magicians. And he says, I'm, I'm troubled by this. I, 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 you see, I don't know what's going on with these dreams. What, what does this mean? What do my dreams mean? And, and by the way, we've heard today, maybe you've heard about how God, you know, um, it seems like some people are reporting that, that the Lord is bringing many Muslims uh, to, to Christ through dreams. But what we want to say clearly, we, we want to say, yeah, that's a lot of report about that. But we want to say that the, God has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ, in these last days. And the word of God is our sufficient rule of faith and practice. The word of God is all that we need. And so, but, but the book of Hebrews says he's spoken to us in these last days, but in days before, in days before the final revelation of Jesus Christ, he spoke in many ways. And God is clearly the one speaking here. God spoke to Joseph in Genesis 37 through dreams. God spoke to the cupbearer and to the baker in Genesis 40. And now God speaks to the king of Pharaoh. 
because he's the king with a capital K and Pharaoh's the king with a very much lowercase K. And Pharaoh says, I don't know what this means and I'm perplexed because that's the way even of the nations of the world. So there's a sense in which even today, the nations of the world and the leaders of the world need God's people to speak to them today to say, here's what it means. The world's crazy in a sense. In a sense, the world's, the world's in confusion. There's all types of moral confusion, e- economic confusion, and, and, and we have the answers because we have the word of God. And Joseph is God's prophet. And Joseph comes at just the right time. And don't forget that it's two whole years later. And remember the you. And remember Philippians 2, 6 through 11. And the very son of God starts high. And he goes super low. And then God highly exalts him. Therefore, he has given him the name. And the pattern was prefigured. I say the pattern was prefigured in the life of Joseph. And remember that two two full years Insult added to injury. He started at 17 in our story. He's going to be 30 years old in our chapter today, and it's been 13 years of some highs and mostly low lows. And the chief cupbearer, he says, he says, I remember. Pharaoh, I remember. When I sinned against you and this Hebrew, this Hebrew came, and Pharaoh says, that sounds good to me. And so they go get Joseph, and they get him out of the prison And what does the text say? Verse 14. Remember that real men wear beards. Verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had what? When he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. We live in a a day and time when we have abundant helps in the Christian life. Abundant helps. One of those helps in the past couple of decades has been a good ministry called Desiring God. Desiring God is not always known, in my opinion, for being super controversial. Things are happening in our world and even in the Christian world these days that are sometimes crazy. And so I've appreciated some things recently from Desiring God. One of the things they had recently was they had an article about the goodness of, of beards. I was actually surprised to see this from Desiring God. This, this man, it wasn't Piper, it was another man, wrote a very long article about the goodness and even, he, he might even say, the godliness of beard. He quotes Spurgeon as, it is a natural and a manly thing to do to grow a beard. Uh, Desiring God recently had another article. I was uh, maybe surprised to see them say, talking about uh, Kevin DeYoung, talking about how uh, the word patriarchy in and of itself is a fine word. And there, there is bad patriarchy, but the word patriarchy itself is not bad. And of course, here we're in Genesis, we are talking about the patriarchs, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And from their loins, Joseph. And so we joke and we say that real men wear beards. As a Hebrew, and the text is wanting to say Joseph was a Hebrew. As a Hebrew, he had a beard. This was not the policy of the Egyptians. And so Joseph needed a change of wardrobe. He needed a change of face, so to speak, and he shaved. And the heart of chapter 41, the heart of chapter 41 begins in verse 25. Because actually, this is a long chapter and a good part of this chapter. You want to know what Genesis 41 is about? 
Well, let me tell you, a decent chunk of the chapter is his dreams at the beginning, and then he retells the dreams to Joseph. And then in verse 25, Joseph says to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. And basically what he says to him, he says, because you've had two different dreams, even though they were different, that means that the thing is fixed by God. It can't be changed. Oh, and by the way, it's going to happen soon. And let me give you the interpretation, Pharaoh, and let me be very clear to say to you that this is not my interpretation. I speak as a prophet of God, as a mouthpiece of God, only as God leads me. So he says, this is from God. This is what God is about to do. God has revealed what God is about to do. God is jealous for his own glory. God is for God. And Joseph knows that. He says, here's what God is about to do. He says, it's very simple in one sense. And you wonder, right, if Pharaoh think, how did I not, how could I not have gotten that? Or how could my professionals not have gotten that? And Joseph says, here's what it's going to be. There's going to be seven years of famine followed or I'm sorry, there's going to be seven years of abundance and plenty followed by seven years of famine. Joseph in Genesis 41 and in Genesis 40 is interpreter of dreams. In Genesis 37, he's the dreamer. In 40 and 41, he's the interpreter, although it's God. He's interpreter of dreams and and in Genesis 41, he also becomes a recommender. He also begins to give advice. He says to Pharaoh, here's here's what I would recommend. I do not think Joseph was subtly looking for himself to get the position. Here's what I recommend, and I recommend me. Here's what I'd recommend, Pharaoh. I would recommend that you choose a wise man. This is not going to be an easy job. For this actually to be executed will require due diligence, skill, competence. You need to choose a wise man. You need to go in all the seven years of abundance, which by the way, are just, are getting ready to happen soon. You need to go through and collect a fifth of all the grain. You need to appoint overseers. And Pharaoh looks at his men and he says, how are we going to get a man like this in whom is the spirit of the gods or the spirit of God? And he says, you're the man. He says, Joseph, how about you? And so Joseph begins to carry out these duties. Verse 37, look at it again. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. And as we begin reading in just 40 uh, 40 in just a moment, we will not appreciate the heights of, I mean, really, the crazy heights to which Joseph is exalted unless we remember the low points to which he has gone. This is a story of slave to savior. It, is, it really is a story of slave to savior. It's a story of prisoner to prince. You're going to be the, in in Britain, of course, they've just had in the span of one week a change of prime minister and of the monarch. The monarch here, the human monarch, stays the same. Chapter 41, Moses is at pains to tell you the monarch is actually God who is over all. But Joseph becomes basically the prime minister. Verse 40, you shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. 
Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. I, I think I've told you before when I was in fourth grade about the guy that I looked up to. I, I looked up to him because of his character, because I thought he was a cool guy, and he had a leather jacket and a gold chain as well. And Joseph gets the leather jacket and the gold chain. Verse 43, and maybe he's going to go around later with sunglasses on as well, telling people, give me your grain. I don't know. Verse 43, he made him ride in his second chariot. I mean, he's just called, he just, he just had on not great clothes and a scraggly beard, which was a sign of godliness. And now he's clean shaven and he's wearing new clothes. And Pharaoh says, except for the obvious, except for the obvious, which is that I'm the king, nobody tops you. And everybody kisses the ground if you want them to kiss the ground. And he made him ride in his second chariot. Notice this, verse 43, they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, he's not only saying, you, you need some type of appropriate authority to do this job. Like you, you, you can't do certain jobs in the world unless you have appropriate authority. But Pharaoh says, I'm going to give you the appropriate authority and a whole lot more. I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name. Who am I going to pick on to read that this morning? Zephenath Paneah. And he gave him in marriage Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. Joseph was, I'm not trying to make too much of this. The Lord Jesus, of course, begins his ministry when he is about, we are told from the Gospels, when he's about 30 years old. Joseph, also, verse 46, was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. We read, of course, in John chapter 2, at the wedding of Cana in Galilee, that they run out of wine, and Mary, Jesus' mother, said, just do whatever he tells you. And at the end of this chapter, Pharaoh says to the people who come to him, we need food, we need food. Why are you looking at me? Go to Joseph, do whatever he tells you. Verse 47, during the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly just as Joseph had said, right? And he gathered up all the food of these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bore them to him. This, by the way, is not an example of Joseph sinning in this type of marriage. Verse 51, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. These last two points will take very little time. Number one is Philippians 2, Christ is exalted. Number two is Genesis chapter 41. Joseph is exalted. Joseph is exalted from a place of lowly service. Don't forget that. Don't forget that he's exalted from a place of lowly service. I have learned, what did Paul say? I've learned the secret, regardless of my circumstances, of being content in all things, 
wherever Joseph was in all of his lowly service, he worked, he was faithful, he was obedient, he, he worked with his hands, we might say, he was faithful. Number three, same thing as number two, right? Joseph is exalted. And I just want to point out, number one, that this story does not teach that all of God's people will be exalted in this life like Joseph. This story does not teach that in this life, all of God's people will be exalted in this life like Joseph. It may happen for some, but there is a new heavens and a new earth coming where we will reign, my friends. We will reign. I just want to point out that when Joseph is exalted, he does what? He continues to serve. Exaltation, if God so chooses to bring you as a Christian, if God so chooses to bring you as a Christian from a very low place to a place of greater exaltation, what that doesn't mean in the instance of Joseph, it doesn't mean that now I don't have to serve. It's a sphere of greater service. It's a greater opportunity. Philippians chapter 2 is all about humble service. Humble service. Jesus Christ dying on the cross. The heart of the gospel. I was thinking about this this morning. The heart of the gospel, we speak about the wrath of God. My friend, do you know that the holiness of God and the holy wrath of God, you and I deserve, but has been poured out on the head of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus bore the wrath of God on the cross in the place of everyone who will ever believe. He says today, come to me all who are ever labor and heavy laden. I know Labor Day was last week. But he says it today and every Sunday in 365 a year. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't graduate from a place of lowly service to a place of, as we may see in the movies, feed me a cluster of grapes while I sit here. Dangle the grapes over my head. No, no, no. What Jesus does is he is exalted, we might say, to a place of service to serve the world with his salvation. And so Joseph is exalted, is exalted, listen, he is exalted from a place of lowly service that he may continue to serve and be a lowercase s savior of the world. I say that intentionally. He is a savior of the world. That's what chapter 41 is. That's the story of Joseph. God is over everything. He's over everything. And so he adjusts the right time. Now, now I want you to remember Chief cupbearer, now remember, do you not know that God oversees every little thing in your life for your good and for his glory if you are in Christ? No, Joseph is exalted to be the savior of the world in the sense that he will provide food and prevent from famine and starvation countries of the world and his people, his new people, Egypt. Jesus is exalted Philippians chapter 2, who though, listen, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We might say that God rose or raised Joseph from the dead 
figuratively speaking. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. What did Joseph get? He got a new name. So that at the name, not to be irreverent, Genesis 41, so that at the name of Joseph, every knee should bow. Bow the knee. Here comes Joseph, the prime minister. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, Do I need to say that it is Jesus and not Joseph who said, I am the bread of life. God used Joseph. God used his chosen suffering servant to save the world by means of bread. God used his chosen suffering servant to save the world. And this one said, I am the bread of life. Come to him. Run to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to Christ who condescended. I close with this old song that we used to sing. It's the gospel song. Holy God in love became perfect man to bear my blame. On the cross, he took my sin. By his death, I live again. Holy God in love became perfect man to bear my blame. On the cross, he took my sin. By his death, I live again. Do you live again today? Have you been born again? Cry out to God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the rain. Help our farmers. Uh, Your word tells us the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. Your goodness and your kindness extends over all things. But it does not mean that we are okay if we do not repent. So grant to us faith and repentance. Give us humility and humble service. Help us to hear what Paul says in Philippians 2. Oh Lord, give us unity and love and humility and service. And help us to see all of this in our Savior, who is our chief example and our only Savior. And we pray in his name. Amen.